0: Welcome again to the Community Broadband Bits podcast, a production of the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. I'm Lisa Gonzalez. This is our 30th episode. This week we meet Jason Bird, electrical superintendent of the city of Princeton, Illinois. Princeton's municipal network serves local government, businesses, and residents. Jason tells us how the city built the network as a way to retain jobs when one of the town's biggest employers was poised to relocate. Christopher and Jason also talk about Princeton's broadband over power line network, which delivers basic, low-cost access to residents and small businesses. Princeton's story gives us another example of how a community doesn't have to make a huge investment to reap the benefits of a municipal network.
1: Jason Bird, thank you so much for joining us uh, for Community Broadband Bits. We're excited to learn more about what you're doing in Princeton, Illinois.
2: Well, thanks for having me.
1: Uh, absolutely. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about Princeton to get started?
2: Yeah, Princeton is located in north-central Illinois. We're a small rural community. Uh, Princeton is the county seat in Bureau County, um, and, and we're the largest city in in, in Bureau County of about 7,800 people. Um, so we're we're fairly small. We're, we're the area is driven by agriculture, um, with some light manufacturing in the area. Um, but Princeton is a uh, pretty progressive community. Um, for a small community we are located on interstate 80 and we do have a uh, Burlington northern, northern uh, railroad tracks to go through here along with the Amtrak
1: I see on the website that you're listed as an electrical superintendent but I'm guessing you do a lot more than just electricity
2: uh, yes uh, the city itself has all, you know all the basic services we have water and sewer and we do have our own city-owned hospital library um, but we have uh, uh, electric utility along with the telecommunications utility. Um, in Princeton, which makes us a little unique in Illinois. Um, there's not a lot of cities that have their own electric utility and then do the combination with the telecommunications. And, and we're one of the few that does that. Um, it, it is a huge benefit to have our own electric utility. Uh, uh, it, it keeps local control um, you know, on our rates and, and rate structures is done locally, um, which is a benefit to our customers.
1: And so let's let's delve a little bit into the telecommunications utility. Uh, how did that get started?
2: Well, it got started quite honestly. We had we had uh, um, our largest electric and water customer left in 2005 or 2004, um, and then we had our second largest customer at the time was our second largest and became our largest. Um, it, it came to our council and, and said that there was some concerns here, and if they uh, were looking to locate. Uh, at that time, Princeton would not be on the map. However, uh, if they're looking to relocate one of their current facilities, Princeton may be one of the first ones that could be going. And We were looking at, uh, um, in a matter of less than a year, about 800 jobs being lost in Princeton, which is, is about 10% of our population base, which would be devastating for us. Um, and, and their reason that they, that, that they were struggling was the lack of telecommunications. Now, the first company that left had nothing to do with telecommunications, but the second customer that expressed some concerns was due to the telecom. Um, our city council had uh, got together and, and made that decision to do something in, in the municipality side and, and get involved in telecom and cover our large commercial industrial customers. But being a, a small municipal, one of the things we always consider is what what can we do for everybody? So they had me go out to Manassas, Virginia, to take a look At uh, at the time was the only – uh, run uh, service by municipal in the United States. So.
1: Right, and that's, uh, that's broadband over a power line for the uh, uninitiated. Uh, it's long been viewed as a low-cost way of, of delivering, um, you know, this Internet service over an existing facility you already have.
2: Correct, and, and what made it nice was the fact that we own the, uh, you know, the power lines and we own the poles, and, and, and it was really accessible way. To, for us to get the equipment on there we had crews that were qualified to install it um, and as I was in Manassas Virginia the City Council had uh, voted at a council meeting to uh, proceed with the fiber and, and then uh, when I got back to give them feedback on the on the broadband power line technology and you know, if I felt it was worth moving forward on then, then we would do that on the on the residential side Um, And that was towards the end of October, and and the the request that they made was that they wanted this done by the end of December. Uh, So they gave us about six weeks to get this done, Uh, the initial 12 miles of fiber up. um, We did do it, and by the end of December, we hooked up our first fiber optic customer. And early the following year, uh, I believe it was 2005, we started our uh, testing of the BPL on the residential side, and then uh, by March, April, somewhere in that neighborhood, we started offering BPL as a service to our, our residential customers. Where we see the BPL has been real successful is some of the people that are that are you know lower income people, and they they want uh, uh, they want high speed broadband services, but they want it at a, at a at a low cost, and they're doing minimal things on the internet.
1: Right. I I sort of envision sort of fixed income, um, older people.
2: Yep. You know, it's just somebody who wants to send an email to the granddaughter, granddaughter out in California. And, you know, I mean, they're not streaming movies and things like that. Uh, It's not going to work for
1: that. And so for the fiber line, I'm, I'm curious, that must have been aerial for you to do it so quickly. Um, just to get a little bit technical, did you end up putting that in the electrical space on your poles, or did you put it down in the communication space?
2: Nope, we put it, we put it up uh, right along our neutral and electric space. Um, we do have a joint ownership of, of poles with the uh, phone incumbent, so we wanted to stay out of, the, uh, out of what technically would be their part of the pole, and so we stayed in our um, and the electric uh, part of the pole. Uh, and um, it, most of it is overhead. Um, currently today, I mean, uh, today is uh, we're looking at uh, somewhere between 25 and 27 miles of fiber optics in Princeton.
1: Okay. And now, I, as I understand it, you have a, a private sector partner working with you on that. Is that right?
2: Yes. Uh, that was the one thing the city council decided right from the get-go, is they did not want to be the ISP you know, they wanted to find somebody who had that knowledge and 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 uh, form that partnership. Um, you know, one of the things one of the things that concerns any municipal is, you know, if our customers perceive we're we're providing a poor service, a lot of times they perceive all services being poor. So we wanted to kind of avoid that. We wanted to uh, find somebody who that was their business. Um, so we sent an RFP out. We had four four responding. Uh, uh, companies to our request, and we selected uh, Connecting Point IvyNet out of uh, LaSalle, South area, and they were, they were, uh, you know, had, had already provided quite, a, quite a few of our customer services in, in Princeton already. And when we did some research uh, with, you know, some of those customers that they were serving, we felt that they fit. Our model and, and what we felt was important on you know, customer service and satisfaction is one of the top priorities we have, and we felt that they met that need, and and uh, they were they were selected. Uh, we do have two different agreements: one on the fiber optics, and one on the BPL. Um, part of the agreement was the city would own and operate, or would own and install all the fiber optics. We would uh, install the BPL, but the ISP would own that, the the BPL equipment. So we had a true cost sharing on it. And then we also do sh- uh, a true cost revenue sharing on it as well. Um, on the fiber side, we're g- the city's going to get a little bit more because it's our fiber optics on the BPL side. They're getting a little bit more because it's their equipment. Um, and we've been working together since, uh, since 2005 and it's really been a great relationship.
1: And presumably if, if, for some reason, in the future, if uh, this company was not meeting its obligations, then because you own so much of the network, you would be able to renegotiate with them or to bring in someone to replace them. Is that correct?
2: That's absolutely correct. Yes, uh, the contract is reviewed every three years, um, and so yeah, we we uh, if we, there is a provision in there for e- either one of the parties to back out or both parties to back out if they felt they needed you know felt they needed to do so.
1: Okay, let's let's jump back in a little bit more toward the beginning and then go over how you financed this network.
2: We financed it uh, initially. Well, it was electric utility. that was we were providing the labor to install that. So, you know, the majority of the cost was coming from the electric utility side itself, with the understanding that 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 loan would be paid back to the electric utility. Uh, keep in mind the BPL equipment was paid by the ISP. So. You know, we didn't have to. We didn't have to worry about that cost. We had to worry about the cost of insulation. Um, so the insulation was done through a loan through the uh, electric utility. Um, several years later, we we did receive a grant through the state of Illinois. It was a technology grant. We had 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 worked on that grant with Connecting Point. So we did a when when that grant was received by us. Um, what we did is we took that those funds from the grant and then paid the electric utility back. Therefore, all any debt that the, the telecom side of the business had was taken away, was was gone at that point in time.
1: So, what do you do with the new revenues as they come in?
2: The new revenue it goes it's it's, it's a telecom revenue and that funds our budget uh, every year. And uh, quite honestly, from pretty much from the beginning, we were able to fund enough revenue to fund the budget every year Um, and and we might make a thousand dollars or so but uh, you know you know we're a non-profit entity anyway so our our model is not to make a lot of money we were here to provide a service that was lacking in our community community Um, I will say that once we made that decision and went public with it that we were going to provide BPL and fiber in Princeton our phone and cable incumbents all of a sudden decided they were going to put fiber optics up and provided better quality services here that they were lacking in the past and um, it truly gives our customers an opportunity to pick between you know multiple services uh, um, and if somebody's not performing they you know they can change and uh, I think that's you know that was what we were hoping for one of the goals we were hoping for was to bring some true competition here in, in the community give our customers a choice and uh, you know, and and we did that, and I think that was you know part of the success of the project.
1: When you say the incumbents invested in uh, fiber optics, I'm guessing that they um, invested in that in terms of making their um, mostly middle mile type um, on their within their core networks. Um, you don't actually have any fiber to the home from the private sector, there, do you?
2: I don't believe there is any fiber to the home on the private sector. Uh, what I should say was. Prior to us making that announcement, um, if you were a residential customer in Princeton, all you could get was uh, was dial-up.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, wow. if, if
2: you if you were a, um, a, a large commercial industrial customer in Princeton and you wanted a T1 line over copper wire, you were going to pay about fifteen hundred dollars a month for it. Once we made that announcement, um, there were some infrastructure improvements by both the phone and cable incumbents. Uh, DSL then became available. Cable modem then became available. Um, prices on uh, T1 lines drastically dropped from the competitors, and uh, again, it was it's a, it's a win-win for everybody in the community. Um, we obviously want people to hook up to us, but we, you know we make it a better community with more options and and, and more. Telecommunication services available to them, so and that that makes it good for the community in a whole.
1: Right, that's one of the things that we're often trying to get people to understand is that when a local government is involved with this or a local locally owned uh, utility. Um, you know, they recognize the benefits of just improving access for everyone, even if they're not taking service. And so the community does better because there's DSL available now and there's better cable available. And so that helps the whole community to grow and it achieves the purposes. So um, I do think that's a very important point.
2: It, and that, again, that's just the, you know, as a municipal uh, utility, that's that's our, our model and how we run our business. And, and you know, I will say that the the, the company that had approached our city council um, with some current concerns about lack of telecommunications services here was the very first customer we hooked up uh, up on the fiber. And and then they turned around a few years later and made about a six million dollar investment in, the, in the, that business. Um, so we went from potentially losing three to four hundred more employees to a company making a large investment hiring local contractors and you know buying uh, equipment and material you know some of that equipment and material are purchased from local vendors which is all a benefit to the community through sales tax etc um and, and and the fact that they didn't close the doors and leave, and and we you know have several more homes sitting empty and people trying to sell those houses, we look at that as a success. And and you know some of the other things that came along that there really wasn't a a financial gain out of it. University of Illinois Extension, the city of Princeton and connecting point, we did a video conferencing center, and Princeton was selected as one of the sites in Illinois to do to do visit your troops over Thanksgiving and Christmas those are things that made definitely a benefit and and a plus to our community.
1: So you've been expanding the network over the years. You connected, um, you obviously have the BPL, and then you connected the one uh, business with uh, fiber. But since then, I gather you've expanded that fiber network. Uh, Can you tell us who else you've connected?
2: Oh, absolutely. We've we've got probably about 75 of our commercial industrial customers hooked up to our fiber optics. Um, Our local hospital, our grade schools, majority of the banks in town um what we do with them is if they have multiple multiple branches is we do a fiber ring and we connect all the buildings together off of one fiber and then they can get internet service if if they want to through one site and then share it through all the branches with that ring about a year or so ago we uh made a bid on the grade school and um we we felt we were very competitive and we got the job and we saved them about 150 to 200 dollars a month on the internet services. We're helping the tax dollars out by saving the school uh, 200 dollars a month in internet services. And and we and again we've got got about 75 uh, of our commercial industrial customers. We also have about uh, about eight to nine residential customers that have fiber to home. We have a a, a gentleman that lives in town who does the does some work for NASA and he needed some high-speed broadband services to his house. We said we'd have it there in three days, got it there in three days, and hooked him up, and then we partnered with him uh, where we allow him to put his server in our POP site. You know, it has been a great partnership with Tetra with Research.
1: And so with the schools, do they have a, a WAN? Um, I'm, I'm always curious because... I think a lot of people don't understand just the benefits of having a super-fast connection local to the schools, which doesn't even have to incur any transit charges on the Internet.
2: Right now we go into the junior high school. Um, We're hoping at some point we can link uh, the four grade schools, the superintendent's building, and the uh, uh, junior high together off of a a fiber loop, fiber network, and, and all the infrastructure is there. As a matter of fact, when we first got into the business, we made provisions and put some underground pipe to each one of our grade schools. What we want to do is tie them all together. And then at one point we can provide them the internet and then they can get it in all the facilities to that point.
1: Okay. Excellent.
2: We started off about 12 miles of fiber today. We're up to about, you know, between 25 and 27 miles of fiber and continue to build out. We do have about eight residential customers that have fiber to the home. We hope at some point that that's, you know, our future is, is to, to move to that. Um, we also have now got a fiber connection to the outside world. Connecting Point City of Princeton partner with KDL and Windstream to get that connection to the outside world. We, you know, our, our bandwidth can easily ramp up as we grow, and it has uh, you know, we're up to, we're purchasing 50 megabytes of, of bandwidth and we're to a point where we're going to have to make that next jump up. Um, so this is continually growing. And we've been able to continue to be competitive. We may not be the lowest in price, but we're competitive enough. We're getting a lot of the bids when, when companies are are asking for you know us to compete against the phone and cable incumbents. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that our service, we feel our service is superior. Uh, we have local crews here, uh, just like in our electric uh, you know our electric services. Uh, when people call, they they get a real person on the phone, and they're literally five minutes away. Um, fiber is no different. If there's a problem, they call us. We're five minutes away, and we respond and we take care of the problem. We also have uh, the other thing that we've done with this with this fiber, owning our own fiber, is we have um, multiple agreements with Kentucky Data Link where they're leasing some fiber for us, and, and they're servicing, you know, several, um, actually quite a few cell towers. But that fiber goes through Princeton, and and so we we lease that fiber to them. um, And we, we, uh, you know, part of that leasing agreement is we're going to maintain that for those guys.
1: Okay, are there any other benefits or anything else we should know about this network before we uh end this conversation?
2: Well, I mean, I think any time any city who's got the, uh, you know, the the fiber network in in their their community, the benefits are endless. Uh, I mean, if you're if you're looking for some call centers, you know, at economic growth, if you're looking for those kind of those kind of jobs to come to your town, we don't have to build that infrastructure; it's already here. So we're ready for that kind of, you know, growth. If somebody comes to our community, and is interested in Princeton, and needs that high high-speed bandwidth, you know, we're ready to provide that. Uh, it's not something that they have to wait six to eight months to get; they have to wait three to five days to get it. And so we see that as a huge benefit to our community. And, and um, uh, you know, as I said, we're located on Interstate 80. Uh, we have Amtrak that comes through here. Uh, we're, we're 50 miles away from the Quad Cities. We're 70 miles south of Rockford. We're 50 miles north of Peoria. So we've got a lot of large, large cities around us, and you know we feel at some point some of that growth is going to come this way. And, and uh, we're on a major highway, and, and uh, the fact that we have our own telecommunication services, we have our crews who can do it. You know, and they can, you know, they can. They got one person to come to one phone number to make a call to to get the answers they need.
1: Well, we're excited that it's it's already been benefiting the community so much, and we'll look forward to uh, learning more about it. I hope you'll let us know uh, as you make more progress.
2: Uh, we will. Thank you
0: very much. That was Jason Bird from Princeton, Illinois, visiting with Christopher. For more detail on Princeton's story, visit muninetworks.org and follow the Princeton IL tag, where we have stories on both the fiber and BPL networks. If you have any questions or comments, please send us a note. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org. Our handle on Twitter is at Community Nets. This show was released on January 22, 2013. Thanks to the Mojo Monkeys for the music licensed using Creative Commons. The song is called Bodacious.